magic, murder, problematic misogynistic undertones? Join us as we delve into one of Britain's best-loved TV shows. So grab your duffel coat, don your curly wig, and dig up that 90s character actor as we welcome you to Podcast Macabre, the Jonathan Creek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Podcast Macabre. I was about to do the intro and then you stole it. Oh, you could, do you want to do it? No. You sure? No, it's too late now. Oh, I didn't know. We ruined it. Um, <laughs> so we are back with season four, episode four of the Jonathan Creek podcast. Uh, the Seer of the Sands, or um, as I like to call it, Board of the Flies. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know where to begin with this. It's a weird episode. I had more fun uh, googling things about the episode than I did at watching the episode, <laughs> and I gave the illusion of like, oh, it's an interesting one, and then yeah. I realised that actually it was just because it, it is so. It feels like it's really dragged out. Yeah, it is. It's dragged out. Um, I mean, it's not. It's not as dragged out as as oh, some... Gallows Gate Part One. I mean, no, no that's that um, will always hold the record. So it's. There are three sort of mysteries in this. One doesn't actually work, and we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second one is a isn't really a mystery, and the third one, the answer is so stupid uh, that it beggars belief. So enjoy all of that to come. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. So um. Uh. Sandy Johnson. We have director. the return of Sandy Johnson. Our, 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 our friend who, of course, uh, I think he must have the record for directing the most episodes. Yeah, I think he's the kind of... Uh, well, he certainly did, I think, all of the first season. Yeah. Um, but yeah. no cameo. With I was going to say, moustache. did you spot a cameo? No, I didn't. It's a weirdly small cast, like yeah. this episode. There's not that many other characters and, and extras other than a couple of scenes that are weird oh yeah the b plot's odd um, um we'll get into that horrendous yeah um and there's also a c plot that's that's just as offensive so it's great uh, overall i think this might be the most offensive episode of jonathan creek yeah. ever made it is maybe um, one of the most offensive pieces of television ever but we'll, we will we will come to all those I mean, things it, it should on paper like you say it's got a small cast but it's got quite a kind of strong cast mm. in the sense that they all are quite well known kind of names um like you you've got um you've got Catherine Cusack who yeah. is known for be, being a half sister of the the Cusack yeah. kind of dynasty and yeah. I didn't recognize the name but I recognized her face instantly yeah the um, Stephen Baldwin of the Cusack yeah, family the Stephen Baldwin of um. the Cusack family um who you know yeah has done some really good stuff um uh you've got um Jonathan Kidd who is yep. more famous as a voice actor, because I, I, I thought I recognised him, and I don't, but I recognise the black and white photos of his dad, who was a huge film star. Okay. Um, and then I went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole um, and found out that he was married to Pinky Barnes, who was a, the world champion female tennis player, a t- table tennis player. Well, there you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, again, this seems extraneous, but it's just to avoid talking about the actual <laughs> episode. Um, and of course, uh, uh, stars Laura Lee King um, or uh, Kim Contral. Oh, um, that's that's mean though. Yeah, it is because she's actually very good. But it is a good. Um, it is good. Is and, that what you've been thinking about for and, the last hour? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> also, uh, 
I do want to be quite careful about what we say about her because uh, Callum and I uh, have a show in development and I actually think she'd be quite good she'd for be brilliant. one of the roles. Yeah, so, uh, you know, um, and she's a good actor. A potential conflict. She's a brilliant actor. <laughs> she's a really lovely person as well. Yeah. Um, but um, in, interestingly, uh, this is uh, her second appearance. I think I mentioned this yeah. last week. Um, so she's in Time Waits for Norman in a really small role as the woman in America that he's working with. She has about um, four lines in that episode and still acts everyone else off the television. Yeah, um, um, and 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 is uh, over here probably it's sort of like what I said about Michael Brandon in uh, in the Omega Man. Uh, she's one of these American actors who I think has kind of made a lot of uh, work for herself in in Britain, being an American in British things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, does does a lot of stage stuff. She's one of those ones that does all the Agatha Christies and the Ken Wright tours and things like that. She's done a lot of. Um, but yeah, no, she is very good. The acting generally in this episode is 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 good, uh, despite what they have to work with. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I also have uh, Gary Cady, who mm. um, is most famous for owning the Bel Air Brasserie in Dulwich, well, just down the road go. from us. There you go. Um, Who's so, he in it? Um, he is the guy who kills himself. Oh! The whole, the, the whole story revolves around him. There you yeah. go. I say I've ruined it now. For Ma- Ma- Mallory. Uh, Mallory, yes, yes. Uh, just Justin Mallory. So plays. yeah, the episode opens with uh, what I've called in my notes a boat's eye view. Um, <laughs> you are just like <laughs> killing it on the portmanteaus and bad puns today. Well, it is. It's a boat's eye view. Yeah, it is We're weird. going across a lake. It's sort of like why would you be? Why would you put the camera as? Why would your DFP go? I know we're the boat now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you um, are. Yeah, you're uh, the audience kind of the boat moving towards this this lake house then you go into sort of a montage well not really a montage but a, a sort of a, uh establishing shot kind of gliding over books and things like that in this house um so we learn that whoever we're about to meet is is a novelist um they're, they're a ghost hunter they write yeah. these kind of debunking uh uh ghost myth books um yeah. and uh that pans across and the shot ends on a bed and there's a man in the bed uh, who we presume is is the writer. She is uh, asleep with an eye mask on. Yeah. And then you see a shot of some feet and very sinister music. And it's like really dramatic. I wrote like this is a really dramatic opening. Yeah. And lots of and, strings like shum, shum, very and synthy. a c- close up of a bottle and a bit of uh, rag. So you're like, oh, is he gonna chlor- is it chloroform? Is yeah. he gonna make it pass out? Like because it's like an empty vodka bottle, clearly yeah. with like with some chemical in it. Yeah. Um, but oh no, it's a swerve because he goes, oh, not just now, Mickey. Um, um, I've got a migraine. I've got a migraine. Which yeah. was the first thing that annoyed me about it. Yeah. I, I and he went, oh, sorry. I was just going to I was just gonna uh, give this uh, picture a little <laughs> rub. He said, it just seemed a bit smeary, sir. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's the, the only time that he speaks in that Cockney accent. A Cockney accent that his uh, father was famous for, despite being Northern Irish. Um, just to let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a documentary called uh, Talkies, oh, and uh, <laughs> he, Jonathan Kidd talks about his father a lot. We, we're good. I don't <laughs> care. Um, so, uh, oh, actually, no, it's, I do care more about that than I do about this episode. Though. Thank That's you. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. Um, yeah, so uh, it's a weird swerve where they make you think it's going to be something interesting, and it's not, which is sort of a metaphor for <laughs> the whole episode of Jonathan Creek. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... So he's this kind of butler assistant yeah. live-in kind of house man. Um, 
and, uh, and yeah, and that, and that's that's that. And then in, we, a, a fax comes through. Yeah, we see him get a fax uh, come through, which is again, yeah. I quite enjoy that nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, um, little, little was... fax coming through, which he reads, looks angry, screws it up in a ball, throws it away, throws it away. Goes to his drinks cabinet. Well, he goes to his wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, In yeah. which is uh, one bottle of Acres Mark and one glass. Yeah. Although you can't see anything because for some reason they've done a... Like, they've, they're have they keeping it secret what he's drinking from the audience. Yeah, Which yeah. is a weird decision, Sandy, but fine. Um, So, the, the yeah, the wardrobe door obscures your view. And all you see is the ring pull fall, like, underneath the the wardrobe door and and i i just wrote he's drinking skimmed milk because it's a <laughs> it's a red ring pull that looks far too wide to be on anything other than a milk bottle yeah um it's it's yeah although it is it is the real one yeah um yeah but that's yeah that's what i thought he was drinking uh, but no, no, uh, as you say, quite right. He's drinking uh, Maker's Mark, which we learned at some point in the episode was his favourite brand of bourbon. I'm like, no one's favourite brand of bourbon's Maker's Mark. Well, actually, it's I not, think, like, I don't know if it's technically a bourbon. I think it's a sour mash. I think it um, to be is, To be yeah. really pedantic, but it would be... But like, it's so generic. Like, that's no one's favourite. It's in every bar everywhere. Yeah. It's the one that people pretend to like until they realise actually they don't really like bourbon. Yeah. Like, if someone does like bourbon then they're they're drinking many of the bullet or yeah i, I, I think if you like bourbon well. it would be one you'd have as a sort of cheaper kind of staple yeah it's not going to be your favorite one but fine fair enough uh it's his last drink yeah um and, and he goes out onto the old uh sea goes out into a boat in a little speedboat and he's drinking yeah in the boat and he um he he's awake and then there's like yeah. a shot of the thing. And there's a shot back to him, and then he's kind of slumping. And then there's another shot where it crashes. And then there's a shot of him being flown clear out of the boat yeah. into the water, mm-hmm. which to me was like, oh god, he's missed death, right? Yeah. Because he didn't hit the he boat. Hit, yeah. His head didn't slam into anything. No. And he landed in shallow water. Yeah. Um, but he's probably a bit, you know, in trouble. Yeah. A jogger comes mm-hmm. along the beach, recognises him. Yeah. Uh, says, Justin, no. Runs up to him, turns him over, um, and and just immediately writes him off as dead. Yeah. I mean, in fairness, he looks like he's been dead for about three days. Like, they overdid the makeup. Yeah. Like, he's so blue. I was like, I don't know. I don't think he's that dead at this point, but fine. I don't I don't know. Maybe he's been there for longer than we know. And he's, but, yeah, there was no attempt to save his life was the main thing. No. No. Um, she runs uh, back to the house, um, knocks on the window. She's a very slow runner. I noticed that. It's a very <laughs> slow job. Um, I mean, I'm not a runner, so I'm not going to criticise. Uh, you're, you're a runner. You jog occasionally, don't you? Yeah. Um, like, it was weird because it looked like she was... Jo- like, it didn't look like a deliberate slow jog. It just looked like... Weird f- filming of it, but yeah, yeah. I think it was. Uh, can you run slower, please? Because so you the, keep in frame. Angles not that wide. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. that's what yeah. it looked like to me. Um, um, but yes, so uh, she goes and uh, says, "Mickey, you've got to come, come with me." Um, uh, they go back, but the bodies disappeared. She says, "Oh, yeah. must have gone out to sea." Um, 
and so that's, body's gonna, yeah. that's the end of that and that's sort of yeah that's that's the opening so at the moment there's no mystery there's not really a mystery the guy for they some reason has killed himself as, yeah they act sort of as if there's a mystery that the body's disappeared even though it's quite likely with how tides work that it would have been carried off to sea but it's it's ambiguous whether they think it's a mystery or not so therefore we're not really sure why we care yet yeah uh, at all um <laughs> we're not invested no at this point no um uh at which point we go to jonathan and adam yeah who are uh adam klaus is now david blaine um yeah so he's a completely dynamo. different style of magician yeah he's doing a street magic but i kind of bought it i kind of bought the fact that he was trying to, to do something different in order to keep up with the times yeah and and reluctantly doing it yeah um yeah and it was also was it it felt like David Rennick sort of having a bit of a dig at how yeah. these shows are made because he yeah. sort of made a point of showing like how many times you have to do the trick with someone before you get they the guess right. the right number yeah. and then you go, right, we've got it, it's this shot and things. So it kind of felt a bit like lifting a lid on how magic, how street magic shows work. And I was like, I'm not quite sure why you've done that. It's, feels a bit sour grapes it does I... feel yeah it would be sour grapes if david rennick was a magician but he's not he's oh yeah kind of nor does he know anything about magic. he doesn't know anything about magic learn quite a lot in this series yeah, yeah. um so I, I don't know why but yeah he seemed to be having a dig at Darren browns or david blaine's yeah. um or yeah all of those street magicians that you and i have a look at far too much on youtube <laughs> paul zennon paul zennon if you're out there we let you well they already know we love paul zennon yeah we've yeah. not forgotten about you it's been a while since we mentioned you yeah. paul but we still love you um and then there's a he's adam klaus says an unusual word right. for this episode doesn't he so it's not going well and then he swears yeah but a lot yeah it's the f word he says oh jesus christ jonathan We've been at this three effing days. Yeah. But he doesn't say effing. Yeah, he says the word. Shall I swear? Shall I do that now? Oh, I don't know. We've got to change our thing on uh, the podcast if you do. Okay, never mind. So explicit content. No, no, don't do that. Um, So that's a weird thing. So we are not allowed to say that. Well, we are, but we have to put a thing on. Yeah. But apparently, suddenly Jonathan Creek, they're, they're able to say Well, I suppose it, it was 9pm, wasn't it, most nights, if I remember correctly? Yeah. I, so I, it's I, after the watershed, but it's it is after, but it's, it's just odd when you've not, for not four done it, and a yeah. half seasons and two specials. Of all the things done, Adam Klaus could have sworn about, not said the effort. It yeah. wouldn't be this. It would be yeah. the fact that he killed someone. <laughs> it'd be the fact that, like, like there are so many things. Yeah, uh, that these people yeah. would swear the about court but... cases. He's been involved with. Like, no, no, nothing. It felt like that's how long David Rennick had been writing the episode and still yeah. hadn't got a story together. Jesus Christ. And it just came out in Adam Klaus's dialogue. Yeah. I've been at this three effing days. Yeah, very odd. Um, and and, and it, it seems like Jonathan Creek's not really enjoying it either. Um, and his kind of plot line is that he's bored of this, all this television stuff. Yeah. Um, which is weird because he makes the show, right? He's the, the whole brains yeah. behind all of it. So if you don't believe in it, how is anyone else going to believe in it? I don't know. Just feel like Jonathan Creek's at a you know very low point in his life right now. Yeah. Um, and th- and then we do we cut back then again, or do we? Yeah. So we carry cut, on. We do another cut back. I believe. I believe this is when we meet Laura Lee King. Yes. For the first time, and she goes to 
the house and knocks on the door and Mickey answers. She says, you don't know who I am. And he says, uh, no, but I was, I've been expecting you. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. So, and it transpires that she is the lover mm-hmm. of, uh, Justin, um, Mallory, Mallory, who has, uh, died or apparently died. So we're led to believe, um, and she we've was, seen him dead. And she was the one who sent in the facts. She's the one who sent him the facts, and she says, "Yeah." She goes, "I don't understand what he would have, why, why he would have read this and gotten it was in a rage." Good, it, was it was good news. It was good news. Um, my husband's agreed to the divorce, so me and him can finally be together. And I was, I, I didn't have time to call him, which was weird because I'm, the call would have taken less time than the facts you read out. But yeah, fine. And like the pff, rigmarole of doing a fax, but fine. Well, she wrote it out and then and then scanned it and then yeah. faxed it. So and yeah. the a fax takes a little bit longer than a phone call to go through. Exactly. So, yeah. it, it doesn't really make sense, but yeah, she's faxed in. Um, and uh, and 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 she's obviously quite upset about the fact that her lovers died. Not yeah. that upset. Not not like, that upset. But more upset than Mickey Daniels. Yeah. who <laughs> seems to have been playing up to this point, like so obsessively in service of this man yeah. that he tries to clean around him whilst he sleeps. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And yeah, now he doesn't seem now that bothered at no, all. But he's no, dead. he's not bothered at all. Um, um, uh, yeah, there's also a bit... Uh, <laughs> I, I can't remember if it's actually before or, or after this cutaway. Because um, again, like they like to do, there's a lot of back and forth between two scenes going on. And there's a point where Adam, on set for, for filming this thing, is visited by... A woman from the local council um, who's making sure that their uh, equal opportunities for their show are up yeah. to scratch. Um, and he quite fancies this woman. And she's said, you've got to employ people um, uh, uh, from a more diverse background. Um, we suggested you get a security guard. Uh, here's his details. I don't know why a woman from the council is doing this and that's her job and how she somehow is hiring people for it. And I just, I just it, think it's there's really... There's so much yeah. that's wrong about the, the it's, logistics. It's really this. important, though, that the only woman of colour uh, is in a role where they work in diversity and inclusion within a yeah. television company and you're making a TV show you, and yeah. you've made that choice. You make, yeah. So yeah. don't don't talk about subjects and then actively within the discussion of those subjects fail. Fails, yeah. Yeah, at uh, uh, being better people. It, yeah, it, uh, yeah, it, it, it's really insensitive. Uh, just reminds me once again of this whole like, I know who we should get to do our DNI work. Yeah, let's find the diverse person. Like, so yeah, so Adam fancies her clearly and tries to ask her out for dinner. Yeah, she doesn't look that interested until she they look over and Jonathan's taken a phone call. Um. Uh, and is sat in a, just sits down in, sits in a down wheelchair. wheelchair yeah. The the wheelchair has been used for them basically doing a cheap tracking shot rather than getting a steady cam. They've got the cameraman sat in a wheelchair. Fine, yeah. which is um, weird because at this point we learn we're at Pinewood Studios. Yeah, but I'm I also liked it because I was like you're the, you're showing us like how cheaply made Jonathan Creek is here. Like that's what you guys do yeah. for real making this actual show. Use a wheelchair. Um, you're definitely doing that. Um, so Adam spots this and Jonathan's about to get up and he puts his hand on his shoulder to make him stay in the wheelchair. Um, obviously because he's gone. Oh, if she thinks. He's decided that because because she 
is, as we all should be passionate about diversity and inclusion, that she'll fancy him more if he's hired someone, he's hired in, a someone wheelchair. in a wheelchair. The problem is, she does! Yeah, she does! That's what she plays suddenly because she's yeah. hi- he's hired, because she thinks Jonathan's in a wheelchair and works for Adam, she suddenly changes her mind and is really attracted to Adam all of a sudden. So, so the storyline is, oh, Adam Klaus is a horrible person. Here's an example of how horrible he is. Oh, but don't worry. Actually, the story isn't about that. The story is about how shallow people, social justice warriors are. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah. It, why is the episode? Why is David Rennick, the writer, trying to tell us that people who work in DNI are so shallow that if you hired someone in a wheelchair, they'd go on a date with you? Yeah, like that's not how the world has ever worked. No, please don't present it that way. Yeah. Um, and also, what now? What do we feel about Adam Klaus? Because you're telling us that he's an asshole, but he's right. Yeah. So so we should side with him. And yeah, Jonathan looks like he's about to kind of say to Adam, oh, you know, for goodness sake, why'd you make me do that? Instead, he just ignores it uh, yeah. and kind of looks a bit oh, typical Adam. Like, not really, is it? It's also right. fraud to the council. Yeah. Um. Uh, and also, right. So, yeah. Um. Then there... I, actually, I, I do believe that scene took place before and then we go to the bit we just talked about, Laurel yeah. King, and then we go back again. They're in an editing suite. Yeah. Again, apparently Jonathan is now involved in the editing of this TV show because he's giving notes to the editor. So is he's directing the yeah. TV episode yeah. now, Jonathan? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, fine. Okay, fine. The m- guy that makes magic tricks is now yeah. a, a TV director. <laughs> yeah, he does everything. Okay, fine. He does everything. Okay, fine. Um, uh, Carla shows up. Yeah, because they're in the next studio with with Brendan, Adrian Emerson doing something. Um, well, she says I was in the next block down. Next yeah. block down. Yeah. Um, uh, Adam goes. Oh, I've got to go meet this new security guard. So he leaves. He meets the new security guard, who's uh, a little person. Yeah, and has been recommended to him yeah. by the woman that uh, yeah. he fancies. Um, yeah. So that's a that's apparently a and funny gag, is that the security guard... Yeah, it's presented like it's, oh person. my goodness, how oh, can a, on earth could you have a little person as a bodyguard? Yeah. Isn't this ridiculous? It's like David Rannick is saying, he's that angry uncle in the corner going, oh, have political correctness gone mad? And then eventually the bar woman has to chuck them out and this happens every day. Yeah, yeah. You can tell I've yeah, worked in a lot of pubs yeah. over the years. Like <laughs> that person at the end of the bar that you tolerate for a bit and then eventually after four and a half pints you go, right, you've got to go. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. David Rennick right now. <laughs> just going, oh, can you imagine next we'll have, we'll have little people as, uh, as bodyguards yeah. and we'll have people of colour accurately represented on television. <laughs> like that's who he is. Political correctness gone mad. It is, um, yeah, and I, so that's meant to be funny, but then it, yeah. it isn't. It what, isn't. What is weird? Yeah, is that the little person is armed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's He's got really a gun. weird. He's got a gun. Joseph uh, has a load of attitude. Um, yeah, which I suppose is some kind of weird, insensitive, and quite gross joke about little man syndrome. Like, yeah, I think yeah, that's, I think what, that's it is, exactly it? what it is. Um, and uh, yeah, so Jonathan and Carla come up, and he's like, "Oh, I need to see some credentials," and then pulls a gun out. But it's also like, e- e- even if that was legally allowed in this country, yeah. which it's not, again, 
the Dunblane massacre was in like the mid 90s and ever since then there was national legislature passed uh with a, a ban on all, all handguns so no he's, he's not got a gun number one that wouldn't happen number two even if it was pre that law being passed he wouldn't have had like a silver revolver like it's such a weird yeah. gun for him to have and he would never have had that it would have been like a police issue yeah. magnum if it had been anything but it's like this weird silver almost like wild west style revolver so yeah. so that was weird and, and he shoots it in the air yeah. I'm like right, and you're you've lost you've lost your job now. Yeah, like what's going on? And but there's Adam, a whole crowd of people looking. Yeah. It, oh. But Adam's embarrassed and says, "Come on, we've got to go back to the theatre." I'm like, "What? You you've been you haven't been there for three days because yeah. you've been shooting this? Yeah, TV magic. Yeah, and um, you're going back to the theatre to do a show, but you're not taking Jonathan, who's the <laughs> who is." The stage manager, the director, yeah. the props master, the scenic designer, the no, trick he's a, designer, he's a, the director he's, of the stage play. He's a TV director now. He's a TV director now. Right. So, um, yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, but, yeah, they kind of drive off madly. Um, and that's how we that's how we learn about this weird B-plot. Yeah. Um, um, so then we go back again to Laura Lee King, who's now fine. Yeah, completely Absolutely got no fine. She's just enjoying a day, a sunny day out on the beach. Like, oh, she well, looks really, the love of my life's died. She I looks know. really peaceful and calm. She's doing a crossword. I'm like, right, it's okay. It's like three months after, what? isn't it? It's like I three don't... months after the death. Is it? No, it's, no, no. Oh, okay. No, like, really? As yeah. in, like, that's what she's playing. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what she's playing. At yeah. least. Maybe yeah. three years after. And there's, there's, there's not a, an, an ounce of care in the world from her. Yeah. Um, So she, and she... Does a little crossword, uh, stops that, and has a little nap. Uh, and an orange that she's going to eat rolls away. and stops... It rolls away because she goes to put her head back on the orange. On your, yeah. But doesn't acknowledge, doesn't acknowledge that at all. She doesn't <laughs> yeah, even notice yeah. it. Like, yeah. you've just this has been blocked. <laughs> it's like really badly blocked. Um, <laughs> blocking, theatrical term for what you, an actor, where they move. Um, and it's just it's just obviously directed yeah. that way is what I mean. Um, and the orange stops at the feet of uh, this uh, Italian woman. <laughs> is she Italian? I don't know. No, she's not. She's from Trieste, just south of Trieste. Where's that? Right. Um, well, well, Eva Polycarpu yeah. is the uh, actor, and she's Greek, uh, Greek Cypriot. Greek, yeah. Um, I'm Trieste assuming... is is around that Turkish. I'm assuming she's. Uh, related to the actor Peter Polycarp. She is the sister of Peter Polycarp. There you go. Um, yeah, uh, and as also had quite a weird career as like a comedy duo musician act. She was part of an act called Donna and Kebab. Okay. Um, who released four albums, last Brilliant. one being 2003. Um, Brilliant. Called Absolutely Live. Um, and was also more recently in uh, Captain Crowley's Mandolin at the uh, Royal Theatre. Oh, lovely. In London, which is, uh, yeah, great. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, sister of Peter Policarpo, also massive stage actor. Yeah. Um, and TV actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she uh, starts... She's doing some weird accent. Yeah, she's doing a weird accent. She's talking to Laurie King as if she knows who she is. And they talk about... Um, uh, she talks about Justin and explains this woman and... She says, oh, well, maybe, you know, he's out there. Um, I, I'm i a bit connected to that kind of part side of the world. Mm. 
um, talk to, I had spirits contact me, things like that. Can you give me f five questions? Uh, and I can't remember what the questions are, but basically four of them are quite like, do, uh, do you still love me? What, how did you die? How did you die? Yeah. Um, uh, where what's are the answer you? to this cryptic crossword? Uh, yeah. Clue? So that's and yeah, the final fifth question is is uh, what's what's the answer to this cryptic crossword clue? Um, and she's like whispering it out to the sea, and then says, "Oh, he's already he's already answered these questions. Look underneath you. Um, I can't say any more now. We'll meet again, and then scurries off." She um, does scurry yeah. specifically, uh, and then um, Laurie King uh, digs down in the sand and finds a bottle with a message in it. Yeah, um, like Sting did, uh, <laughs> and she actually, gets. Uh, contrary to popular belief, he never actually found the bite. That's uh, all made up. Oh, really? Not true. Yeah, the liar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she gets the bit of paper out that's in the bottle, and of course, it's the answers written. Yeah on a bit of paper so she's like oh my god that i i'm now converted into believing in supernatural things yeah um, completely hook line and sinker yeah um and uh yeah so she's kind of looking for more answers i believe at that point we now go back yeah so now carla borrego is returning to adrian edmondson's office. yes and he says what happened to you did you get lost which means what's happening in Cornwall, yeah, is in ha, on the same timeline yeah. as Carla Borrego nipping down to the edit suite, having that conversation, and coming back again. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think. No, I don't. Works. No, I don't think it works. But why adopt that style of editing? Yeah, because that's you know what that does. Like, well, they yeah. don't know, do they? Because they've no. never made television before. <laughs> like, just making it up. But uh, yeah, it just seems very obvious to me that that's just very bad. Like, um, and I, it's just—I mean, maybe it's just—it's just the way it's written. But you, again, you can think ahead. So in five minutes, all of that's happened, and in the same time frame, Carla Brego's come back, and he says, "What happened to you?" No, no, I was chatting to Jonathan, and he's just kind of reading a, a biography, yeah. uh, by uh, an American film producer, yeah, like my time in Hollywood kind of book. Yeah, someone Turtlebaum, Alan Turtlebaum, Turtlebaum, yeah, yeah. Um, and then she's kind of annoyed that he's not jealous she had a chat with Jonathan. Yeah. Which would be weird because that they've been working on a television show together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but then also, and then is, is, I'm confused about the nature of what their previous relationship was because they, it's confusing <laughs> yeah. depending on the episode of this series you listen to so it's worth explaining what happens is she says why aren't you jealous of me and jonathan i did have strong feelings for yeah. him and he goes i'm not a jealous guy that's not kind of what yeah. i do and she says i just don't think we're truthful enough with each other about our relationship yeah. and instead of going oh that's a bit of a weird jump what do you really want to talk about he says oh okay i'll tell you a secret about my life i was well he keeps referring well, to yeah. marriage so, so he so keeps saying like he was married just before just before we get to that Callum, you can't um, we can't brush over the line uh, that Carla says about Jonathan. It says, uh, "I must admit, we did have pretty strong feelings for." Him. Oh my goodness! No, I'm sorry, but um, but <laughs> I, know, no, I, I never say. lowered the little drawbridge. Ah! I, I never lowered 
the little drawbridge. I never lowered the little drawbridge. As my as my mother used to say. As you've like, it's a weird, yeah, it's a weird thing to say. And I'm also like, di- didn't you have a sexual relationship? Because you seem to be together for a long time. Like, like you like went, he went and met your parents. Yeah. And, like you were clearly in a, like, I mean, maybe fun. They were waiting, but it's just, it's just odd. Odd. It, it is odd. Um, But it's because David Rennick's forgotten about. Yeah, of course he has. He's just forgotten about the, what he's, um, he's he's written in previous episodes. Yeah. He's gone, ah, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and so... And so is also a weird... It's just a yeah. weird phrase. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. They they hug and she says, I just want us to be more truthful with each other. Like my past relationship with Jonathan. And he goes, or the fact I was once married to a man. And she carries on talking and he goes, wait, what? And he says, yeah, it's all about this book. By um, Tannenbaum. Yeah. Ta- uh, Turtle Turtlebaum. Yeah. Yeah, and he explains that he was once married to this guy, and it was years and years ago in Hollywood. He was starting out young. Um, And I was like, well, you fell from grace, didn't you? If you were... (laughs) If you were married, working in in film... In in Hollywood, Hollywood, when you were young. And married to one of the biggest producers of all time. Yeah. And now... You run a crappy, <laughs> an office out the back of Riverside Studios, <laughs> buying TV shows off Japan. Like <laughs> things have changed. Your career trajectory's gone down. Yeah. And he says, "Oh yeah, it was more of a marriage of convenience, really. I was more his trophy wife, and uh, you know." And and she says, "Oh, like th- she's disgusted by this." Um, and she says, "Oh, did you ever?" And he goes, "God, no." Have a have a co-production deal. Never and like yeah, as, like really clumsy, weird jokes, badly timed. Yeah. Um, and then and she says, "I oh, yeah, I'm. I think. Oh, I think I'm going to be sick." Yeah. Which is just <laughs> horrendous reaction. Yeah, absolutely horrendously homophobic. But he does, in fairness, Andrew Nebison's character does call her out, right? Yeah. And he says, "And actually, I was I just think- being honest with you, and I think you're being really homophobic, actually." Yeah. And. And she says, oh, don't be so patronising to me. I've got to go, go got away to go. and make, it's all make this duplicity. sense of this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what we should be focusing on is the clumsy nature in which homophobia is being dealt with in this episode by a man who also has just dealt with diversity issues in a horrendous way and is going to continue to do that for the rest of the episode. Yeah. But instead, I was also thinking about something else, which yeah. was, when was gay marriage legalised in America? In California. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah, quite interesting. Um, so, yeah, I just wrote Carla Borrego is a homophobe. Yeah, so it's right. That's odd, literally exact word for word what I wrote as well. And then... Odd relationship continuity. <laughs> and then my next after that is... And so is Jonathan. Because, oh, God. Because we get to... Uh, we cut to... Uh, so, sorry, the end of that scene, Jonathan is... Knocks at the door. Well, Carla opens the door. Jonathan's already there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, sorry, I didn't come at a bad moment, did I? I was just going to come and talk to you. And then it cuts to Jonathan and Carla in the car. And they're on the way to Cornwall. Because, oh, because Jonathan's had a phone call from Mickey that we yeah. hear on the other end of the phone um, going, oh, you might want to get down here, mate. Something weird's going on. But then we never learn what the nature of their relationship is, why Mickey knows Jonathan. It's never discussed again. How so get his number? Apparently they're friends. And Well, I don't know if they're friends. I assumed it was, I like, I'm going to call you because you're a famous did, solver of crimes. Did you? Because him on the phone, he goes, oh, you're right, mate. You might want to come down. It's, like, weird. it's very oh, okay. friendly. All right, mate. Yeah. I think you were looking up 
uh, fathers of Bitpot actors in this episode at the time. So he, no, his his father. He's jo- that's Jonathan <laughs> Kidd. Yeah, uh, Sam Sam Kidd. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, great actor. Um, I so yeah. So he, so they she says, "Oh, come on, are you not going to get to the point where?" you make a snarky remark yeah. and he goes i don't know what you mean she went yeah you've been setting up since we left london i'm like oh right you've left london now you're you decided to leave that conversation with your husband yeah where you've expressed your homophobia and disgust at his relationship even though he's being honest with you yeah and you've driven to cornwall and haven't told him yeah wow big deal so he says oh i don't know what you mean and then makes a really clumsy joke where he yep. says, oh, it is less like bigger me and more like bugger me. Um, yep. So that's... Which, which is... Again, it's just pure homophobia again. So that's good. It's neither accurate nor funny. And no. yeah, d- deep-seated in um, in homophobia. So that's another reason for us to despise Jonathan. Um, but it's fine because he instantly redeems himself with his next line, which is a weird well, line. Where he a lot of weird lines in this. Where he refers to the mystery that there are again, I'm not quite sure what the mystery is. Oh, we, oh no, no, yeah, we do know what the mystery is now. It's the bottle. Yeah, what's going on here? The bottle. So there's all there's one sort of ish mystery about did it did the body disappear or did it go out to sea? We don't know. Uh, but now that's compounded by yes, the the messages in the bottle. And Jonathan refers to all this as it being a bit like Houdini of old. <laughs> like what does that mean I, I i wrote it down in quotation marks houdini of old like everyone knows who houdini is yeah it's like yeah. you haven't thought of a specific magician who used to do this act you've thought of the most famous escapologist yeah. and magician of all time because well, well, that's all you can think and, of and also because you're too busy looking at sparrows out the window pleb relic of old doesn't it <laughs> yeah. doesn't relate to specifics yeah, yeah. Be like, oh, it, it's like the knights of old. No, yeah. no, so it's like knights in olden times. It's not, it's not, yeah, like Houdini, but in a, but a, so what, what does that mean? Doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Does like he mean Houdini like of old Houdini when he started out? Oh, not I now, don't know. not nowadays, like modern Houdini. <laughs> I mean, if, if you said, like, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, you know, refer to something you did as two days ago, like. You did some washing two days ago. Be like, oh, put the washing out, just like David Shopland of old. Like it doesn't just mean in the past. Like I'm, I'm like totally only a fan of Houdini's early work. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, he yeah, really sold out in the mid part of his career. I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Totally um, agree. Houdini so, of old. Yeah. So anyway, that's a weird line, but yeah. it made me forgive the homophobia because, because it was so a, funny. Such a silly line. Um, part. It was a accidental partridge moment. So. The- yeah, it's, so they um, arrive at the house. Uh, incidentally, all this is filmed uh, in Launceston in Cornwall, for those of you like me who are interested in the geography and the I, location. My favourite thing about this podcast <laughs> is uh, how on it David is about locations. Annoyingly, uh, they never make any reference to like uh, its proximity to anywhere else, so I can't, See, we can't, can't that, unpick but, that. Yeah. It doesn't look very much like... I don't, it looks a bit like... It's kind of Cornwall. Yeah. Because she's running along a beach. It is Cornwall. Sorry, d- sorry, it doesn't look like Cornwall. It oh. looks like um, maybe something in like Scotland or something, like an oh, island-based right. yeah. thing. Because he drives across... Like, what part of Cornwall is he driving from? And t- maybe it's a big cove. 
Yeah, and she's on one side of the it, cove. I think that's in the it. other. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Um, but it, yeah, it reminded me of Scotland. Um, uh, of old, Scotland of old. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they arrive at the house and they're explaining everything. Um, uh, and they're kind of trying to get all the facts and saying, oh well, who who found him? And sh- and and uh, Cusack comes in yeah. and says, oh, that would be me. And then she goes, oh, I do all the paperwork. And I was like. That's a weird way of describing what, like, what's your actual job? Just actually, you'd say what your job is rather than. Yeah. I, I don't know what her job is. No, I don't know. No, and I just wrote, you just can't be bothered, can you, David? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly just can't be bothered to think of an actual job. So she's like, mm. ah, just do a bit of the paper. Well, what, what is that job? I... You're, you're, his, you're his PA? P- that, I've written PA. PA right? I think she's his PA. But why don't you say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Justin's PA? Yeah, I do all the paperwork. Um, um, but she comes from a family of undertakers. Which, because she says, yeah, I found the body. I yeah. knew he was dead as soon as I saw him because I'm from a family of undertakers and I've seen so many bodies. And that's why I also know that there's no life after death. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. what? Why is that all one sentence? Yeah. What? Take a breath. No one's asked you about this. Why yeah. are you volunteering all this information? What? And that still doesn't excuse the fact that you didn't, give him like was no cpr yeah there was no uh, like a- attempt to help or rescue yeah. him or drag him out of the cold water like so so immediately i'm just thinking that's a, this is a really badly written character yeah. i think he's actually doing very well with it yeah but yeah. just it's just shocking yeah. um however it's important information that she comes it, from a family of it's it is it's it's weirdly important information we'll come to that later on yeah it's it's importantly shoehorned in exposition yeah that it's like it's so bad he's gone back uh, he's got an oh i've got to justify this and then <laughs> and that's why we get the tag on at the end of the episode instead of just rewriting the line he's gone well yeah. I've, I've written it now they've taken the paper away from me yeah yeah i've just remembered i've written that badly relevant. i better yeah. make this relevant yeah um so they um start snooping around and uh Laura Lee king goes to meet uh eve Polikarpu. yeah um, in this, as um, what, what are they called? Those little a boat house, boat shed. house. Yeah, boat, boat shed. shed, boat shed. Um, they're in a boat shed, and, uh, and Jonathan and Carla have followed her, and they're hiding in another part of the of the shed. Yeah, and, about three meters away. Yeah, uh, and uh, o- overlooking this this conversation she's having, and it's another little uh, sort of cheese. Eve Polycarp who's talking to the the spirit yeah. of Justin. I mean. I'm Eve Polycarpu, this is like I I think it's a great comic performance. Yeah. Completely unaware of the programme that she's in. Yeah. Like everyone talks about Jonathan Creek as being great fun. Yeah. But it's not funny. It's not like it doesn't make you laugh. <laughs> I don't know. And it's for not the right intentionally. Yeah. Right no, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is a really hammy performance. And I think actually knowing this person's looking up this person's yeah. background as a comedy person, I can kind of maybe see how that would work. But surely look around, look at what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Look what Laura's doing. Like, just tone it down a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I understand why. Because later on there's a reference to her as uh, an RSC performer. Yeah. And so I think it's digs at that. But yeah. it's a very overblown speech that she gives. Um, I like, again, I wrote, what accent is she doing? But it's important because it gets uh, um, Laura's um, 
Kim Cattrant. Yeah. Um, is that what he said? Kim Cantrell. Kim Cantrell. Right. <laughs> like D.D. Cantrell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my name. Huh? What, a friend of ours from America? Yeah. 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 You think of Blue Cantrell. Yeah, but I used to sing D.D. Cantrell to her in the style of Jean-Paul saying Blue Cantrell in you Breathe. Yeah. You've all learnt a lot there. Oh, that's yeah. important. It was Texas. We were all pretty drunk. <laughs> um, so there's five... Uh, uh, another sort is it five or four? Que- another series of questions. Yeah. Uh, but this time, um, well, it's sort of statements that that Justin is telling uh, Laura Lee King's character through cryptic phrases through yeah. Eve Policarpo, and um, yeah, they're all kind of cryptic phrases, and Laura Lee King's working them out. Um, but importantly, one of them relates to a deal that she's doing at her business. That's and never LA. Really explained LA business uh, to do with Pacific Pacific Union or yep. something. Pacific Union and General and General Western. General Western. Yeah. Um, so I think General Western isn't it? A, isn't that a, a an electric company? Well, General Electric is. I don't know. General, General Western. Maybe. It's, hopefully, it's not a real. Actually, hope uh, neither of the real companies. Because if so, no. David Rennick's just written about them committing fraud. It, well, I think Pacific Union definitely is. Um, Anyway, they uh, the clue is related to um, uh, basically Laura Lee King should choose because they're they're two companies that want to merge with her company and and she has to obviously choose which one they're going to go with and uh, the clue leads her to believe that it's uh, that Justin from Beyond the Grave is telling her that she should choose to merge with Pacific Union because all these other clues mean, mean the same thing as well. Um, and then she says, just to check, we had a code word. And the code word is something that uh, only me and him would know. Yeah, um, to, to check that, you know, to see if any of this was real. To see if it was real. And she goes, ah, yes, of course. Um, oh, he's trying to say something. And then somehow she opens her mouth and about 10 people scream. I like, mean, that's what, so are, weird. what happened? <laughs> So, you know, in a horror movie, when they go into a cave and loads of bats fly out, it yeah. felt like that kind of sound. It was lifted yeah. from like an old hammer horror. Yeah. Um, it's like the... Gra- it's the- so weird. It's not <laughs> physically possible for one person to make that noise. I don't think that she... I don't think she's meant to be her making the noise. Oh, do you think it's meant to be underscoring? It's, un- it's weird underscore sound. That sinks with her that mouth. That accidentally sinks with her mouth. <laughs> Okay. Because I was thinking about it for ages and I did the same thing. I was like, no, because because that's real. What we're watching is real. And yeah. this is this is music. This is definitely music. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think I think that's what it is. But it's very odd. And then it she goes, right, yeah. oh, sorry, a bad spirit came, an evil yeah. one. I've got to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so conveniently doesn't have the answer to the word. Yeah. And um, they run out the barn. Meanwhile, yeah. Jonathan and... Uh, Carla have both had some glue tip over from the shelf above them on land on their hair. Yeah. Now we hear the glue pot fall over, like the glue calf thing, um, and it's huge. And Jonathan looks up and watches the glue fall down onto his face. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Twice. And then ignores it. Yeah. And then he's surprised. That they're, that they're glued together. They're glued together. Yeah. Well, you, you've been witnessing it happen. Yeah. You 
we you didn't have to again <laughs> Sandy Johnson you didn't have to make us the eyes of Jonathan the yeah. way that was directed was that we were him yeah. therefore we felt it on we our felt, like yeah. the viewer we've experienced it good direction oh no could, then you betrayed that yeah. by having them not realise it's happened and have glue so strong that it's t- it's glued their heads together so then we have David's favourite bit of acting in the whole se- season I think oh my god right so I get that you're not going to really glue two actors' heads together. That's fine. Surely you can, like, tie up their hair. Yeah. Attach, like, with, like, a hairpin to his hair and her hair together. Like, there are so many ways that you could have physically attached them. Instead, what they've done is just gone, oh, can you try and just keep your heads together for a bit during this motion sequence where you're running? So, so... immediately after this they make it very clear uh that they're not stuck together at all yeah because their heads are in about four different positions every time it cuts back to them they've moved and then there's a sequence where uh, because they can't run very well because they're meant to be glued together even though we can see they're not um it then uh, cuts to jonathan um carrying carla yeah and you can see in their heads are so far apart. It's just so far. They're not even trying. It's lazy on the behalf of everyone. But also just cut the scene, man. Just cut it. Obviously, you tried. It didn't work. Just get rid of it. But they've kept it in because they think we're idiots, which we are. I mean, you and I particularly because we actually do yeah. this voluntarily. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And there's all sorts of kind of like. Carla Breger going, oh, Jonathan, you're such a hippo. You'd make a terrible dancing partner. I'm like, yeah. no amount of crap dialogue is going to make up for this. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So they, uh, they're then back at the house and they're explaining, and, and Jonathan's kind of explaining what he, uh, that they were there and they overheard. Jonathan's swept his, I mean, Alan Davies has swept his hair behind his ear because obviously yeah. he went, I'm not cutting a chunk of my hair for this. Um, so, so it's, it's made to look pinned, like... It's pinned, pinned back. back. Yeah, so it's made to look like he's lost a bit of his hair. Yeah, it's And like, it's you know like when, that for the rest of the episode. Like, you know when Kit Harrington went through that phase of wearing the Alice band? Yeah. When he's doing Game of Thrones? It's that, yeah, yeah, but yeah. on one side of his face. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and they, and they go back and kind of reveal that they've seen the... Um, uh, e. Policarpu has a, a, a grey-haired yes. accomplice. grey-haired, a little mouse man. He looks like a little French mouse. <laughs> oh, he and he, he's definitely a French mouse. He's got a, a, a white ponytail, a little white moustache, um, and a little mouse face. Um, and they... They are li- not as offensive as anything else in this episode. Good point. Um, they are in a um, like a, like like an old fashioned like Romany gypsy caravan. Yeah. Um, uh, that they're in. Um, and yeah, they Jonathan and uh, Carla have spotted them in there. Um, Jonathan realizes he recognizes him, but doesn't know where from. Doesn't know where from. Um, then there's a whole uh, bit that I got quite bored of. I got quite bored of this segment of the episode because it's just Carla and Jonathan ambling around, trying to find clues. Carla getting attacked by a crab. Yeah, I wrote um, during this bit, it's the first time I've seen Jonathan Creek outside and not in a duffel coat. He's got this that's weird a... kind of stylish um, like brown jacket on. Like, that's that's what I was point. thinking about, guys. That's what yeah. I was thinking about. Yeah, that that is a good point. Um, and that is more interesting than what's going on. And, but anyway... Um, we cut back then to 
Well, is there more information that we find out? That's well, I mean, I don't think there is. I'm not quite sure how the sequence goes before we get to the bit of the uh, B plot that we have to talk about. But well, I, let's get into it now. I th- but I think, but I'm pretty sure before that, um, we have the the first reveal of the of how the bottle trick's done, don't we? That happens. Oh, before. so yeah. So he's walking down the heath, not in a doff coat. Yeah, and he explains that. Yeah. The bottle trick was done yeah. by the accomplice, the mouse man. Yeah, it's so convoluted. In the shack uh, with a, a hose pipe and a, uh, he and, a, and there's a microphone on Eve Polycarpa. And in the reveal, the microphone is about the size of Eve Polycarpa's head. Like, it's huge. Like, obviously. Yeah. Like, we didn't see it when we first saw it. And we saw it for real, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, now yeah, yeah. we're telling us in your imagination she's got a microphone attached. But well, she didn't because we saw she didn't. Yeah. Because it wasn't so rubbish. But then uh, he also manages to prod down the answers to these questions, including a cryptic crossword clue that he works up very quickly, uh, into the bottle, which is buried underneath the sand. So yeah. it's all very clever. Except for one point, David. Yeah. None of... Right. None of that can happen... Like, well, well, it can, but none of it is important and useful unless they can predict where in the beat she's going to lie. It's an excellent point. She's, right. That's that's her own volition, right? She's made peace with her lover's death. They've not made her sit in that specific spot. They've not in any way used any power of suggestion to make her sit in that spot. She's not met them yet at this point. So how is it directly under her towel? Yeah. There's, there's no, that's, that's what women, that's coincidence. So, so, so yeah. all of that's, I mean, not only is it convoluted, it's also nonsense because the only way all of that works is, is, is if they manage to get her to sit there. Yeah. And I don't think in this instance, this is us being pedantic. That's literally the only way that it could have worked. And there's no explanation for how they got how they got her to sit where the bottle is. Yeah. Because that's the only way that works. I, I can't I can't question your logic at all. I think that's absolutely right. Um, it, If you at home were paying more attention and you know yeah. how they got her to sit there, yeah. let us know. Um, so, and yeah, and then, so Jonathan explains all this to Carla. They then notice loads of black smoke and they go and run up and see that the caravan has now been set ablaze. Been set ablaze and there's a skeleton at the back of it. Um, yeah. And then, and then we cut uh, uh, to Adam Klaus at Pinewood Studios. Everyone, yeah. Now there are about a million extras now. Yeah, like yeah, so many, hundred maybe. Yeah, and like how how are all these people working on your show? Yeah, yeah. and Jonathan Creek not be there. Like yeah. if yeah. This, if this is oh, it's also impossible. It's also important to point out that we've also learned that the bodyguard is an alcoholic and he's drunk a whole bottle of whiskey yeah so he drinks um, a whole bottle of scotch and uh, uh adam klaus has said oh go and rest here yeah. um and puts him on a bit of a set that adam's been using um to do a trick with a with a uh, boa constrictor yeah um adam's having a chat at uh, the studio with all these people around with yeah. the uh, inclusions officer from trying to get an the event. local council because apparently she's in I don't, I don't know why fine. yeah um and uh he's like they're they're getting on she's asking how he's working out and saying i think it's really great that you took a chance on him i know 
you know, he's he could be a bit erratic or he's kind of thing. And as they're talking, obviously something's happened because everyone starts running yeah. um, past them. And they don't acknowledge it at all. Nothing, absolutely um, not. Which is, is, I think, meant to be a, a funny sight gag, but fine. Um, and then eventually a runner comes and whispers in Adam's ear and his face kind of drops. Excuse me one moment. And we learn that uh, Joseph, the bodyguard, has is died. He's been eaten by the, the snake. He's been eaten. He's been eaten by the snake. He's been he's been eaten by the snake. The body of the bodyguard's been eaten by the snake. Just to be clear. <laughs> Sorry, Joseph. Yeah. The bodyguard has been has been eaten by a snake. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so that happens. I don't think there's anything um, we can say, say like you can't elaborate <laughs> on that, can you? Like there's nothing we're gonna say that's gonna add no. to that or help no. in any way. No. No one's bothered, really. They're all sat around like mild surprise is what they're all playing. Adam's pretending to be a little bit sad in yeah. order to still get into the pants of the council's inclusion officer who some for some reason has knowledge of bodyguards and jurisdiction over what Adam yeah. who he employs it is very bizarre. Um but he's not that sad because he does a weird he does a gag about the fact that he drank a lot and says at least he wouldn't feel anything. Yeah. So apparently that's that's the time immediately as someone's just been killed by a snake. Yeah. Because of your negligence. And they um, keep doing close ups to the the snake yeah. like contracting yeah. and breaking down the bones of the Yeah. Like It's so weird. It's so weird. I don't like why? Why? Why did that happen? The little person bodyguard was eaten by a snake. <laughs> um. Then, yeah. Then we go back to oh. the next morning at the house in Cornwall, and Laurie King's having a tea, and she drinks and she finishes it. And I was confused that it was tea because I thought there were coffee beans at the bottom of the. Well, a cup. But they, they tea. Are they bits yeah, of tea, tea leaves, leaves. Right. But I, I don't understand why there are tea leaves in this tea cup. Yeah. Because loose leaf. It, well, yeah, but even if it's loose leaf, yeah, you have a tea strainer tea or a teapot yeah. with a filter on it. Like, yeah, no one. If you let us know if you at home and you have loose leaf tea, yeah, do you just whack it in there, into the pot, and not even. I don't think there is a teapot that exists anymore without a filter on over the so, spout. So, if you made loose leaf tea in a coffee pot, maybe. Yeah. But there's a lot of tea leaves in the bottom of this tiny cup of tea. So, so um, a close friend of ours, Lawrence, wh- whose mum listens to this podcast. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Hi, Jane. Um, Hi. Uh, he once, uh, when we were sharing a house together, he gave me this tea that he had and it was like tiny little balls and you put them directly into a mug of hot water and they like opened out into the tea leaves um oh. but they were loose within the water and you just drank it but they kind of sank to the bottom you didn't, okay they didn't go in your mouth but they were loose in the, but that's the only time i've ever come across something similar to that i well either way but it's they still... were very long leaves they weren't little things it's still possible yeah. that 
there are TVs in the cup. But we also know why they're there. <laughs> spoken a long time about TVs. But yeah, I, I mean, I just thought my outrage was kind of faux. Yeah. Um, but but still, it is odd. But uh, and they spell out the word scarab in the bottom of the yeah. teacup. And she says, "Oh my God, he is here. He's alive. He's alive." And Carl's like, "What do you mean?" And she says, "Look, that scarab. This is the word. This is the code word." And Jonathan ambles in, and he's like. He's like, well, no, it doesn't prove anything. She's like, oh, well, why you, well, you just believe. Look, you're not going to believe anything, are you? It's it's, it's 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 this proves it. And he says, no, actually, it doesn't because I put it there. Dun dun dun. Um, and then uh, goes about uh, explaining uh, how he wanted to show her that the that kind of the power of suggestion and that if you're yeah. desperate enough, you'll find things in in anything and find belief in everything. Um, and he went through a dictionary and found a the, yes, put a pin Which in the dictionary, he says, found the mark, yeah, so took yeah. him half the night. So when they have the conversation in the boat shed, Laura Lee King says to Ipolikapu, uh, when she's talking about the code word, says it was a random word. Um, I think he just stuck a pin in the dictionary. So Jonathan checks the dictionary, which he says took him half the night, which I think it would take you about maybe seven years looking at the size of that dictionary. <laughs> I mean, it was a big It was dictionary. not half. That doesn't take half the night to very carefully scan your hand on every single page of that thousand-page book. I am only guessing that he might have started at the back of the dictionary because he was looking for the puncture mark. So if he started at Z, he only mm-hmm. had to get to S before he found it. Maybe that's why it only took him half a night. Th- that's possible. I've done the work. That's there, possible. I? And also the flashback <laughs> of it, he's definitely going from left to right down the page and turning it over as you would normally. Okay. I um, tried. I tried. You did I'm, try. No, I'm I know. I appreciate Sandy Johnson, appre- David Rennick. I am doing my best here, <laughs> and I still got nothing. <laughs> I appreciate you for trying. Um. So, yeah, and then he goes on to, I think, explain the the motives of why the people did what they did. I'm unclear yeah. still, really, as to as to what this was all about. So, one of the companies, yes. Pacific Union, yeah, paid, yeah, an actress, yeah, Eve Polycarpu, and a magician, and a mouse man magician, yeah, to dress up as uh, Romany gypsies, yeah, and convince her, yeah, to go with Pacific Union, not General Western, yeah, because the contract was worth so much, yeah, and they knew that she'd gone to England to yeah. see her lover, and they thought that uh, because he died. Yeah, and they thought that this might um, swing the deal. Yeah, so that, so that's what happened because he magician man yeah. had connections with gangsters, yeah. including a Los Angeles crime syndicate. Yeah, and so it was faked the their death in the the is that explained? What the gypsy caravan? Yeah, no, they don't. They they just said that was to scare. To scare them off. Scare them off. The yes. reason so they why they had a skeleton for them. Again. So they wouldn't yeah. keep looking for them. Yeah. Which um, is a bit weird. It's all a bit weird. It's also weird because like when like what was their plan going to be if he hadn't died? Because none of this is li- they're not involved at all yeah. with the death of Justin Mallory. Right. So so why is this? What, what was like all of this plan is based on the fact that Justin Mallory died. So yeah. what? I don't, and 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 how do they know about this? Like it's it it doesn't make any sense, any sense at all that this is linked. Well, also the Jonathan doesn't just doesn't have any evidence for it. No, he's just yeah. made it up. Yeah, he's he gone, has just made. Yeah. I think he has just made all of this up. I mean, he does that every man. week, but but 
no one's actually here to normally you know as we joke about people very quickly uh confirm it and corrupt uh incriminate themselves yeah. but no one's around to do that this time so there's no confession no so yeah so for all we know it's all made up by jonathan he just he just knows that this magician guy he recognized him because he had connections with the crime syndicates yeah. of the world yeah. um, um so so therefore what he's he's probably yeah bit part of a huge international yeah. operation that involved this con but there's been another little mystery a fourth mystery that we've not mentioned yet about uh we, we talked about um the smeary photo <laughs> yeah. in a frame and it's a photo of el capitan which is the, uh, the tallest uh, cliff face in Yosemite Park, one of the tallest cliff faces in the world. Um, if anyone's seen um, uh, Free Solo, the documentary about free climbing, it's uh, all wow. about a dude trying to climb El Capitan. Um, and he's got a photo of it in this frame, and it all, and a smear appears on it. And Mickey says, "No matter what, I clean it every day." And that smear reappears again. I don't know why it's really weird. Um, and Jonathan um, again decides that what it is is that he. Uh, being Justin um, kisses the photo in the frame, so actually there's a secret photo of him and Laurie Lee King hidden behind, and they they're like, well, why would he want to hide that every day? Say, so, oh well, perhaps someone that's around every day that wouldn't want to see it. So that's when they realise that Cusack is in love with Justin Mallory. With Justin Mallory, this is it's so convoluted. As I'm saying it, I'm like, yeah. this is so uh, such convoluted episode, but um, but also. Jonathan says she was more than just his PA. Yeah. Right? Um, which which is which suggests that she was having an affair with him, right? Yeah. They were having but they're not. sex. But, but they're not. they weren't. And no, the whole thing weren't. rests on the fact that they weren't. So so, so Jonathan is wrong about that bit, but no one addresses it. Yeah. We no, just find out. I later. think I think it's just badly, but I think what he's saying. Because he's the one that says it was clearly never reciprocated. So I think he meant that, but just he right. says it. But he just it's just badly, badly written. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and so uh, um, Laurie Lee King's like, oh my God. And she's got it, obviously got it in her head that Cusack's killed him. Yeah. Um, and so she drives, she drives to Cusack's house. Erratically. <laughs> Erratically. And... Um, and, yeah. and, and and Jonathan and Carla and Mickey are in hot pursuit. Yeah, in Carla Borrego's Porsche. Yeah, behind her. But obviously, Lorelei King gets there first, and she gets, she gets, she gets to her house. And um, there's a um, wonderful piece of music playing <laughs> uh, on the radio. She's reading a book, and she's listening to a wonderful piece of music um, <laughs> called Petit Fleur by the great Sidney Bichet. Yeah, a wonderful American clarinetist. Um, Died of lung cancer. Um, in I think about fifty nine. Actually, I was um, in some of my research for this episode. I stumbled across uh, across a um, uh, a blog post online by a guy that is detailing buying uh, or having a record player bought for him because he watched this episode and wanted a record player to play that piece of music. And he's done a blog detailing trying to find that piece of music and buy it on a record. Wow. So there you go. That's interesting. That shouldn't be that rare, though, because that was by, no. by a fairly recent a, band. Yeah. I can't remember a jazz band. No. It? Um, it's a sax version rather than the original clarinet. But um, that's happening. And But we know it's Justin Mallory's favourite music. Yeah. Um, and oh, then oh, she... Oh, Laurie approaches... 
and uh, <laughs> and there's a man at the table. Yeah. And it's Justin Mallory's dead body <laughs> in, a, in a wheelchair. <laughs> Mary's dead body in a wheelchair. What? Um, so you know we said I was just I just gotten over being eaten by a snake. No. I just gotten over that. And then you show me the woman that we thought was completely fine and sane is sitting there having dinner with a corpse. I mean, it's psycho. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. And, and that's it why psycho, it was important. Yeah. Remember that extraneous bit of exposition? Yeah, because he's obviously been kind of embal- embalmed or preserved in some way. Formaldehyde treatment. Uh, yeah. And a whole family was, was funeral directors. Maybe, so... maybe, maybe she got that guy in, the um, the German doctor. I think she did, yeah. Body she probably did, yeah. Body worlds. Not the same as the German person. Oh, we all know they're the same. Yeah, the no. same. Yeah, um, yeah, a sausage, but you know, a man's <laughs> sausage. Um, they ate it together, I think. Uh, anyway, that's a, that would be a distraction, um, <laughs> a tangent. This, this is it. This is him writing a bad sentence and then going, "I better justify it." Yeah. So on the end of the episode, I'm just going to tag on the fact that, oh yeah, she's mentally ill <laughs> and has propped up the dead yeah. body of someone she uh, unrequited loved. So. So Laurelly is like, you murdered him, you murdered him. And How dare be- you and beat her up? Beating her up. Um, uh, just as Jonathan and Carla and Mickey arrive and they were in, Jonathan says, no, stop. Look, no, she didn't. While it's very clear she needs some help, I don't think anyone would say she's a murderer. And then, and then he goes, no, I actually think that Justin Mallory was killed by a harvest fly. And then it cuts, and they're back. And the at, on again. At, they're back at Laurelie's. Uh, uh, they're back at Justin Mallory's house. And I'm like, so wait, what? What? What's? Why? What's happened in all this time? So I think you and I should write the scene that happened. Uh, so I, I think, I, yeah, ev- I think every Jonathan Creek Justin episode. Mallory's just yeah. been killed by a harvest fly. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I don't... I'm not quite sure of what you're saying. Sorry, I'm a bit confused by that. Yeah, that's not important right now. I'll tell you later. Firstly, I think we probably need to call the police um, so they can come and deal with this uh, corpse that's been stolen. Yeah, um, or actually, guys, I've got a better idea. Why don't we drive back in convoy? Um, Actually... Yeah, Kizak, do you mind going with Laura Lee? I know you've just been fighting and you thought she was murdered. You, you just go in her car, follow us, we'll come back. Mickey, you're going to be in charge of teeth. No loose leaf. Yeah. Uh, this time. Um, let's all, let, are we okay with that? Great, cool. Let's go back now. Let's in, drive back. In fairness, Cusack's not there. Because I was waiting for her to be at that later reveal. Because I was like, why would you? But she isn't there. So oh, okay. Okay. That's something. That is something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to... I think you think you said at the time, but I'm not going to tell you now. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you because, yeah, we, it then fades into, obviously, yeah, they're in a different location. It's Time has passed. Jonathan's drinking whiskey, which is weird. weird. Um, and because he's shaken to the core by... Yeah. Kizak's actions. And then... We come to the reveal of why Justin Mallory... Went and got drunk and reckless on a boat and 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 crashed his boat, but after getting a piece of good news on that fax, and it's because 
the harvest flies that have been cropping up all throughout the episode. In yep. fairness, that's been a little little tease. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the harvest flies landed on the, the facts, and he read it as a comma, and it changed the meaning of the, of sentence. the sentence. So the sentence is meant to say, um, asked Sydney, whatever his name is, again about a divorce. He said rex uh rex uh about a divorce he said no one would have to wait much longer yeah talk to you tonight but of course the the little harvest fly landed in between the no and the one so it read as he said no one would have to suffer much longer yeah so he'll see that <laughs> just a weird way of it's a weird a way of i mean boyfriend. both ways are weird <laughs> yeah. in order it's to, almost or- a bit contrived isn't it David? oh my god it's so contrived. yeah comma kills him yeah and it's a harvest comma. fly um, what I found interesting yeah, is, is that, that that wouldn't never happen. A <laughs> harvest fly wouldn't stay still for that long enough whilst you're wafting no. the paper. Like you, you can look, you can see the difference between a harvest fly and a comma. Like, like, yeah, the nonsense. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, all of that. Yeah, fine. Is that enough motivation to? Go. Oh, I'm gonna have to wait longer to marry uh, this married woman. Like, yeah. Divorces yeah. take ages. Nothing, yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing's no, changed I've for you. I've just learned that nothing's <laughs> changed from what I thought before I got this fact. I'm a gr- it's not worse. Yeah. The, the news isn't worse because no. he wasn't aware. It's the same. He because she says, "Oh, surprise! I decided to ask for a divorce." So yeah, so he wasn't, he wasn't aware expecting that they, anyway. he wasn't expect so. Yeah, it's not been the the, yeah. the wedding has been pushed. That's back. a really good point. Nothing's changed That's at all really about his point. life, but he's decided to down almost an entire bottle of Maker's Mark. Yeah. And get in a boat and drive it yeah. into a pile of rocks. Yeah. Like, absolutely weird motivation. I'm not going to question anyone's reason for, you know. Yeah. But I do, I do find it weird yeah. that that's what Jonathan's made up happening. Like, it's yeah. his idea. It's not what has happened. Yeah, it's yeah, what yeah, Jonathan yeah, yeah. thinks has happened. And it's completely <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. What I also found weird... Was that, do you remember me said, it was just before we started recording, I said I'd looked up the IMBD for first. Well, yeah. You're all aware of that. Yeah. There's also, you know, the trivia bit. Yeah. There's a little trivia bit where it says, did you know all the thunderflies or harvest flies were CGI'd? I mean. Like. I didn't notice that they were CGI'd. No. Until the one fly flew on and then turned into a comma yeah i noticed that was cgi'd up until that i just thought they would look like thunderbugs slash yeah. like black dots yeah that i mean they're tiny minute thi- yeah they cgi'd it so that's where the budget's gone on a hundred staff and, and the hiring of pinewood studios and the and and the extras and a, a live animal yeah uh and and cgi but we couldn't get the continuity of the episode correct. Yeah. Like, that is ju- it's just awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Disgraceful. Um, also, oh, an, I'll come back to that. Oh, the, bit, the, uh, the other bit of the IMBD facts, the, the, the goof. But I'll come back to that at the end. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So PA is mentally ill. Big gap before the reveal. reveal. Comma kills him. I I also want to talk a little bit um, before we get to the kind of denouement. Is is when Jonathan's explaining the kiss, right? Yeah. And then she and they're in the bedroom, and Carla Borrego says, "Oh, do you ever miss your friend in America?" Oh my god! Yeah. And he goes, "Who do you mean?" Yeah. 
And then he goes, hang on a minute. He must have kissed yeah. the picture every night because he misses her because she's in America. Yeah. And I went, oh, Jonathan's in love with Maddie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what that is. Yeah. Right? I just wrote... It's a really lovely, subtle plot line. The mention of Maddie goes absolutely nowhere. But that's a nicer way of looking at it. Because I just was like, oh, that's picked up and then dropped. Well, it's weird that he goes, who do you mean? Yeah. I I think... I like to think this is just actually a... David Rennick nice. writing something really nice and subtle, subtle. And, and unfortunately Alan Davis just killing it with the who do you mean <laughs> I think it should be a who do you mean but I think about her every night in my yeah. head as my subtext yeah. hang on a minute that makes me think of what people do when they're in love with each other that is nice and that I nice. like to think that it's a little tease that yeah. maybe he really really does miss Maddie that is nice um, um, and and I think again why people do still clamour for a Jonathan Creek reuniting both of them, which yeah. Caroline Quentin has said she'd be up for doing. Um, so yeah, that, that would be cool. Um, so yeah, that's all. That's basically all the episode. We we then get to the denouement. Well, there's a little. There's a. You've got this cutback where for about ten, like a, a tenth of a second, he, they, oh, God. he explains what's happened to Adam Klaus. Yeah, and there's and there's and there's a there's a riot. I said, oh, I hope Adam's all right. Yeah, he went, Adam, he'll be fine. Adam Klaus is stuck in the middle of a riot between some animal rights activists who are upset because the snake had to be put down. Yeah, and um, some little people activists who who are all coincidentally little people themselves. Apparently, they don't have any allies. Yeah, the only people that care about little people are other little people. And they're yeah. Rennick. Fine. Um, and uh, they're hitting each other with with placards, um, and and Adam's kind of caught in the middle, and then they all gang up and, and start he's got a, a, but, yeah a person on his. Back I think and... you said ten seconds is generous. I think it's about two and a half. Like it's so quick. It's like really weird cut back to like <laughs> yeah. a riot. Yeah, but really. also it's again that a guy from the bars come back got after yeah. thinking he's been away for two hours. Oh, that'll let me in again. Yeah. And you go, all right, all right, David. And he's gone. Yeah, I mean, you can't do anything nowadays. You, you do one thing, you're gonna you're gonna piss off the animal act animal rights guys. You're gonna diversity guys. You can't win, so you may yeah. as well just do it. Like that's the attitude of a lazy old man who yeah. doesn't want to change. Like that that's what that's exactly what that is. And knowing David Rennick's interviews and his opinions that he gives about people making complaints about yeah. one foot in the grave episodes mm-hmm. or. Jonathan Creek episodes, he is convinced and of the opinion that you can't win and everyone's just petty right. and they should get over themselves. And I think that is a deliberate, that cutback, as yeah. tiny as it is, yeah. is him going, F you, I don't care about your complaints for this episode. Yeah. And I hate that. Yeah. Um, and, well, luckily, though, that's the very end of the episode. Oh, so no. there's not, oh, no. There's not, they couldn't possibly oh, get no. anything else offensive. Oh, could, I mean, yeah, literally God. the whole episode's, the whole episode's <laughs> done. So there's nothing. No, that's it. There's nothing else they could do that's offensive. Surely. So we're in the denouement. So we're in the denouement, which is normally that little bit at the end yeah. that gives you a little spring it's in a your nice step. Nice little, yeah, um, light-hearted bit to end the episode. A, a wise crack, perhaps. Yeah, a little thing um, to send everyone off in a happy mood and give the illusion of conclusion. Yeah. Oh, I'm a rapper. Carla and Jonathan are in a boat on the sea and. They're having Which, a little, again is weird. Yeah, and they're having a little chat, and Jonathan's like, "So, how do you feel about uh, him, him being Brendan?" And she's like, oh, "To be honest, I don't really know where I am in my life. It's just nice to get a little bit of space." And as she says that, Brendan pops up uh, in a frogman's outfit, and he's got a, a, a little snorkel, uh, snorkel, and um, yeah, full old wetsuit, and he, oh hello, yeah, he says, "Oh hey guys." 
um, how's it all going here? And they're all like, whoa, what are you doing here? Um, and then that's it. And then the episode ends and he doesn't oh. say anything. He doesn't have a line. The episode ends there. Right. Yes. He, uh, David's lying to you. There is a line. Oh. Uh, there is a line. Um, they're, they're surprised that he's here rather than back running his studio empire. Um, and he goes, he says, this is quite, this is genuinely quite offensive. So, uh, warning. He says, it's Jewish New Year. The industry's like a ghost town. So I thought I'd come down and see how you guys were getting on here. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's just anti-Semitic. There's, I mean, there's, there's, no, way of, there's no way of sugarcoating that. That's flat out anti-Semitism. Yeah. yeah. So that is the nice little Denimon bit that we're yeah. meant to go out of the, oh yeah. no, it's yeah. this. So we have a quick cutback. We've to... given you homophobia. We've given you disabilism. Now here's the little anti-Semitic cherry on the offensive cake. Yeah. What? What? What a horrifically offensive episode. Uh, really, really is. It's. I. I think. I think David Rennick had gone like the night before to the Etc. Theatre and he'd seen like a play by a young fringe company yeah. and was like, "Oh, I'm sick of all this." These woke people, I'm yeah. gonna go and he went and wrote this episode. Cause it it's wow, it's offensive. Yeah. I think if there's anyone more reflective of kind of the right wing politics that got our country into a state of recession and austerity, bailing out bankers, this like David Rennick is the epitome of yeah. this kind of angry right wing middle class white man. Yeah. And I just think that's such a shame. Yeah, I mean, we caveat that with we we have absolutely no idea if that's uh, the case or not, or if that is. No, know, I just mean who in, who who he is or in the not. writings and the interviews that he gives about people complaining about his episodes. Yeah, yeah, I would say. But we, we, yeah, we are still aware that we're we're making assumptions of man that we don't know. Um, yeah, so, very um, very important to yeah. to acknowledge, of course. But um, yeah, it was it was kind of a shame, um, and. What, the thing I found interesting also on my IMDb fact-checking... Yeah. I'm not going to do it next one, I promise. Yeah. But, you know, they have the reviews on the IMDb. Now, we don't normally re- read the reviews yeah. of Jonathan Creek episodes because we, we review them in our own kind of way. And yeah. we want to get our own take on them. Uh, and, if I mean, if you want to know what, what actual people think, then you can look at yeah. them yourselves. But I read the review on this one. And it was really like, this is one of the best episodes ever. Mm. It's so well put together. I was starting to think Jonathan Creek had lost its edge, but this episode brings it back. <laughs> it's like, really? Really? Well, um, I mean, it depends how you define edgy. I mean, if, if... <laughs> I mean Jim Davidson's edgy in places, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and then and then it said go- go- uh, goofs, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, here's the bit where it's going to show us, into, in co- you know, Bits of lack of continuity. So it didn't talk about any of the, any of the things that we've talked about, no. like it not making sense. It did talk about one bit, which is a genuine goof, where the facts that he gets yeah, from the, his lover. The, the address doesn't say Los Angeles, right? It just says the street name and then says California. Yeah. So it doesn't actually say the state. So Which is like... I'm, it's like, fuck, fine. Even we wouldn't be that levels of penetry. No. But... Um. And also the zip code has one too many digits on it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's I that's forgivable. Yeah. What isn't forgivable is the homophobia, anti-Semitism, and disabledism in the episode. What what isn't forgivable is the fact that the bottle never would have made it underneath a random spot in yeah. a beach that a woman had happened yeah. to sit on. Uh, 
it, like, and a woman uh, had dinner with a corpse. Bum, 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 bum. I, I mean, what what I can't, I want to get into the headspace of yeah. the someone who can watch that episode, love it, yeah, and pick up on that mistake well, I, and not pick up on any of the all of the stuff that we talked look, about, guys, for an hour and a half, guys. Let us know. Let us know. If you watched this and really enjoyed it and thought it was a strong episode, I genuinely would like to hear it because I think this yeah. is one of the worst episodes ever. Yeah. I genuinely think this is one of the worst episodes ever. It's a it's 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 a bad convoluted mystery. The reveals don't work. And the B and C plots are are, are full of of, of uh, offensive storyline yeah. Yeah. and language. So I, yeah, I don't. There's very little redeeming. the o- The only thing that redeems this episode is the generally the performance is very good and the acting yeah. is very good. Um, but it's it's a it's a bad story. It's a bad story, and it's an offensive uh, script. The Seer um, of the Sands. Yeah. Uh, so next week, though, <laughs> we have uh, the Checkered Box, which I'm gonna again make. I don't mis- remember this. One. I'm gonna again make this mistake of saying it's. <laughs> I think I remember it being good. So we'll see. We'll <laughs> I don't see know why you bother. It's uh, yeah, no, it's about a framing of a police officer, if I if I remember correctly. Hey. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see what that's like next week. And uh, of course, as always, on Thursday coming up, we have our any requests podcast, which again, if you want to be part of, donate five pounds a month to Patreon in the link in the description of this episode, and you can get us to do a podcast on absolutely anything at all. Uh, this Thursday we are doing it uh, about the films of Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead who are uh, two directors that co-direct films together in what's called the cosmic horror genre what a great name for a genre so um, yeah it's kind of like sci-fi horror existential um, kind of indie films Um, we're going to be watching three of them over the next few days and talking uh, about the work and, and the sort of themes and uh, and style of those directors. So we're watching three three films yeah. and doing a podcast on it for a fiver. Just imagine yeah. how much fun you can have with that. Exactly. Uh, value for money. So uh, in the meantime, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster. You can find us on Facebook at fb.me forward slash podcaster macabre. You could get in touch with us via email podcastermacabre at gmail.com. And of course, you can like, share, subscribe, and listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, so in the meantime, I have been David Chopin. And I've been Callum Hughes. And this has been Podcaster Macabre. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.